What would you do if the pastor came to you and said, and well, first of all, if the pastor poured oil, olive oil, over your head and then said, guess what? You're the new president. Now I can tell by your faces what you'd do. <laughs> you go, yeah, right. What are you on, man? What's your medication? Or, you know, Pokemon's over there. <laughs> Some of you, I saw by the look on your face, you might do, you know, that kind of thing. Well, there was a farm boy whose name was Saul. He was on a road trip looking for lost livestock because somehow or another his father's livestock, a couple of donkeys at least, had wandered away. And he was the, the go-to guy for his, for his father on the farm. And, and he said, son, go get them. I know you can find them wherever they are. Track them down, bring them back home. So he went. On the way, he encounters the pastor. And he does that very thing. He, he stops this strapping, tall guy who's, who we find out is head and shoulders above the rest. He's a broad-shouldered, powerful farm boy kind of guy. And the priest, Samuel the pastor, takes the oil, reaches up, pours it over his head, and then puts his hands on his shoulders, and he says, guess what? You are the one God wants to be king of his people. Now, if you're a farm boy out looking for lost livestock, you're going, huh? And I know that that man was scratching his head trying to figure out what in the world was going on in that moment. But then Samuel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to make a new man out of you. He's going to give you a new heart, and you will be king. And by the way, keep on going down the road trip. You're going to have three signs occur, and I'll tell you what those are. And, and, and while you go down the road, you're going you're gonna to realize that the donkeys, you don't have to worry about them anymore. The livestock have been found. They're all safe. The farm's okay. The ranch is saved and all that stuff. You just go on up to Gilgal, and there we're going to anoint you before all the people, and you're going to be king. All that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. I don't know if you all know what this is. We don't see it much anymore. We always see that little bitty metallic instrument that people carry around. They call it a phone and it's so many other things. Really, when people say get a life, they're really telling you get a phone. Isn't that true? This is called a what? It's a Bible. The Bible is what? The Word of God. I want us to hear the Word tonight. There are Bibles in your seats. I can see them along here. If you want to follow along, 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to skip around here in the verses that are up here on the screen. Samuel is speaking with Saul. They're having that encounter, and he says this. Well, it says this. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And then skip to verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. The key phrase there is God changed Saul's heart. The thing I want to bring to you tonight is that God is and has been and will be 
and is tonight still in the heart-changing business. And by heart, we're talking about the inner person, the, the core of who and what you are, the inner man, the inner, the inner you, right? And I understand that Saul's experience of the Holy Spirit would, would be called, because it's in Old Testament, it's in pre-spirit times, it's pre-Acts chapter 2, it's called a singular or strange occurrence because the Holy Spirit wasn't on everybody in those days. The Holy Spirit didn't come to all believers in those days. The Holy Spirit was only poured out on specialized people for specialized purposes. However, we have a privilege today they didn't have. Acts chapter 2 happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. Not just this guy, that guy, or the other guy, but the whole church. So even today, we live under that dispensation. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. So when we look back at passages like this, we look at them through spirit-filled eyes. We look at them through, one of my old professors said, New Testament eyes. And we can understand that some things that happened in the Holy Spirit's encounter with guys like Saul happen in the church today too. Happen in God's people today too. And one of the basic principles that I like to go by as a pastor in a holiness church is that entire sanctification, we still want to use that term. It's an old term, it's still, it's still a biblical term, it's what we want to use. It's the reason we exist as a church. And the reason we, we have this special emphasis in our church is because we understand and we believe that holiness the experience of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that thing we call entire sanctification, is both the necessity and the norm of the church of Jesus Christ. There are too many believers out here today wandering around, maybe some of you are in that group, where, we, where they're wandering around in stunted spiritual growth. They, they made it to the altar for the first time through, you know, they got, they got saved they believed in Jesus, they've accepted him as their personal savior, but they stopped with that. And maybe they came to a point because somebody preached about this second work of grace, this entire sanctification thing, so they made a second trip to the altar and they, they did this thing the preacher called consecration. Anybody know what that is? You got one guy, one hand came up. Wow. It's just giving of all of me for all of him. Right? Blank check. Here you go, God. It's all, it's, this is all me. You own it. This is, that's consecration. And we make the trip to the altar, and we do that. We say, here, God, I'm giving everything to you. Then we get up, we feel good, we walk away, and then we wonder why nothing changed. You know why nothing changed? We didn't wait for God's part. Entire sanctification is not me giving myself to God. It's God giving me a new heart. All right? And that's what he did with Saul here. And that's some of the stuff we want to talk about tonight with the secrets of the Holy Spirit changed heart. Secret number one, if I can operate this gizmo, we're doing good. And it worked. Great. God changes hearts. That's one of those well-duh kind of things, right? Everybody knows God changes hearts, right? We know this. We've, you've been at amen in tonight already. This is cool. This is great. I'm glad we're on the same page. Well, here's how it worked here. Samuel had already anointed Saul king over Israel. And to confirm the anointing was from God, 
Samuel was wise enough to know that this guy needed proof, and he says there's three things going to happen. Sign number one, thing number one, the lost donkeys will be found. Sign number two, you're going to be going down the road on this road trip up the hill to Gilgal, and you're going to meet three guys. They're going to offer you two loaves of bread. Really? Anybody been on a hike and somebody comes and says, here, take a loaf of bread? <laughs> it happened. The donkeys were found. Word came. They're, 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 the farm has saved all that stuff. Then he meets, he's going along the road trip. He meets these three guys. They're praising God. They're worshiping the Lord. And they say, hey, Saul, dude, here, you need bread. Take two loaves. We just happen to have extra. And then the third sign. He continues down the path. He's on the road trip to Gilgal. And he meets a company of prophets. And, and really, it's a group of preachers. Can I just say that? They're proclaiming the truth and glory of God. They're singing hymns to the Lord. They're praising the Lord. And Saul walks up to them, and he's, before he can even say, what up, dude? <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes on him. The Holy Spirit fills him. The Holy Spirit transforms and changes him and gives him a new insight. He's no longer Saul the farm boy. He saw the man of God. Wow. And the author of the change was not Samuel. And the author of the change was not Saul. He didn't eat the magic bread and suddenly become a man of God, you know. But God came upon him and God gave him a new heart. I'll say it again. I love saying it. God is in the heart-changing business. Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet that probably none of you have read very often because you don't understand all the mystical stuff that's in there. He prophesied very clearly that one day all God's people would receive the Holy Spirit and then that receiving the people would no longer have hearts that were rock-hardened with sin and, and, and the inner man would not be dead any longer, but they'd be turned on and alive with a new heart, a heart of flesh, a godly heart, a holy heart, a sanctified heart. Wow, doesn't that thrill you? That thrills me to talk about that. I don't have to stay in the sinful nature any longer. I don't have to have that inclination in me that always wants to pull me away from God and pull me back to the path of the world and the path of sin and the path of Satan and the path of self. I can get away from that. I can be free of that. I can get cleansed of that because God has a new heart for me. And I wish I had time to tell you what he did for me on a day in August in 1979 because he gave me a new heart. God initiates the sanctifying grace. God performs the interchange of entire sanctification and he changes us into his holy people set apart for his purposes and his uses and his kingdom. And he frees us in that change from the dominion and the inner man of sin. So it's possible for us then to no longer sin but to live for him Always. Nobody said amen on that one. That's, I need a sign, Ron. I need a sign. Here's the deal. As God changed Saul's heart and made a godly man out of him, 
I should say godly person. He would change your heart and make you alive, turned on to God, Christ-like and godly, holy. I'll use the word you guys coined this week. He would holify you. That's the first key. God is in the heart-changing business. Has he changed yours? The second key tonight, I better hit the button. God evidences the sanctifying change. Now here's how it went. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was given a new heart, a new godly nature. And God proved the transformation by the miracle of divine utterance. Now I do not believe that was glossolalia, where he just spouted out unknown tongues and nonsense, all that kind of stuff. I don't buy that a bit. I think what he was doing was, was proclaiming the truth and the glory of God right along with the company of prophets. They were praising God together. He was preaching the word. Which is why the question popped up, is Saul among the prophets? Whose son is he? The son of Kish the farmer. How can he be a preacher? How can he be a prophet? How can he be a proclaimer of God's truth and glory? And yet, here he is. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was not him. It was, I'll use a New Testament phrase, Christ in him. Right? It was a transformation, and it became visible. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea of a farmer anointed to be king while he was out looking for lost donkeys. Suddenly, so changed and transformed by the coming of the Holy Spirit upon him that he could proclaim what one commentator called the oracles of God, the treasures of the kingdom. It was, it was startling. It was visible. It was outstanding. And it was evidence of God's sanctifying work in his life. I see something very similar in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. All the believers gathered in the upper room were filled, not just Peter, James, and John, or Ringo, or George, or Paul, those other guys. It was all of them. And the filling was evidenced by what? You tell me. Tongue is fire. So I'm having to help you with this. You guys need to read Acts chapter 2 tonight. <laughs> Sound of a rushing mighty wind, right? Tongues of fire. What was the third one? What was the third one? They were able to go out into the street and proclaim the word of God, everyone to their own language. And thousands came to Christ that day. The filling was evident. It was visible. There was a change in these people that couldn't be missed. Here's the deal. When Christ fills you with his Holy Spirit, you can't hide it under a bushel, like Dr. Graves said. This is one of those things where this big old light of mine, I'm going to let it shine because I have to let it shine because it's who I am now in Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world in Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit is upon me. I will shine that light out and you're going to see it. You're going to see it in my attitude. You're going to hear it in my speech. You're going to know it in my thought life, in my heart life. You're going to see it in my behavior, the way I relate to my wife or, or, or even you or you to me and us to, uh, back and forth. It's a characteristic of the church. We are Christ to each other. And we see it and we experience it. We hear it. We can touch it. 
Maybe I can't see the Holy Spirit because He's Spirit, but I can see His effect on your life. Because whom God fills, God provides evidence of the filling. There is a definite change about the person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and sanctified entirely. Wow. I had a professor years ago give me the four P's of sanctification. I'll give that for you tonight. I should have put it up, but I didn't do it. I'm sorry. It's what happens to us kind of when we're sanctified. He was, a prof- he was a pr- uh, kind of a person who liked processes. So he gave us a process. He gave us, when, when you are sanctified, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and cleanses you and fills you, you receive the passion of Christ. That is the love of Christ for God and man. Perfect love, we call it. You receive heart purity. You're free from sin on the inside. Its influence and dominion over you is washed away. That's why we sing we're washed in the blood, right? You receive the power of the Holy Spirit, power to not only witness of Jesus Christ, but to live Jesus Christ. Not just to compartmentalize your religion, but to have the whole of my life is Christ. That's why Paul could say Christ is all in all, over all, through all. He's all over me and all in me and all through me. Well, that's biblical. That'll preach, won't it? And I receive the purpose of Christ. To live to please him, to live to serve him, to live to love him, and to take that service and that love to my world. Somehow God works in your nature when he comes upon you. And he changes you from the inside so much that the change is so drastic, we can see it. It's evident. So what about you? Can Christ be seen in you with the work he's done in your heart? Secret number three. God's change has a ministry focus. You know, I get around to that word sometime. This is Nazarene Bible College. We have ministry students here, right? Well, let me tell you this. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a ministry. You may not become a minister, so to speak, professionally, but you will have a ministry. How do I know that? Well, go on with the story. Saul was called. He was anointed by God to lead his people. He was changed, filled by the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal that that a lot of people don't think much about. I had a conversation with Walter Kaiser, a a Bible scholar of another tradition, but I go with him on this. He shared with me that becoming king for Saul was to be more a ministry than a reign. Do you hear me? More a ministry than a reign. That's why he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was to give his life to establishing Israel as the holy people of God who lived to serve the Lord and to share his truth with the world. So that Saul received the first genuine call to a worldwide disciple-making ministry. I don't know if that'll preach from Old Testament. Dr. King, that's on to you because you're the scholar. But it sure does preach New Testament, doesn't it? 
Don't I, don't I remember the words of somebody saying, go into all the world and teach and baptize and preach? And wasn't that person Jesus, the one who sanctifies us? So there's a ministry focus there. With, with Saul, he would become, or was intended to become, the representation of Christ to his people and to his world. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and you are sanctified entirely, when you're given that new nature on the inside, you are called, number one, first and foremost, to be the representation of Christ in your world. To yourself, to your family, to the people at work, to the people all around you that you encounter here, to anyone, anywhere, because your life is lived in Christ. I'll say it this way. Whom God cleanses and fills, God also empowers and calls. He has a place for you in his kingdom. You have a ministry if you are an entirely sanctified person. Did you hear me? God did not save you from your sin and give you a new nature within so that you could sit down on a chair and warm it with your backside. He did not call you to be a bench warmer, a pew sitter, or a chair, sit, you know, a chair warmer, whatever. He called you to be an active part, participant of his kingdom. You, 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 you. We have a ministry for Christ by the calling of the Holy Spirit of Christ who dwells within us. That's the benefit of being entirely sanctified. I have a ministry. I have, I have purpose. He has a use for me. Well, I'm bunged up. I really can't do a whole lot. I've got to walk around with a cane. I walk around with a cane. But I still have a ministry. There's still stuff I can do to serve my Lord. I can worship him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and love him with all that I am. That's ministry. I can share his word with the people I talk to on the phone, on email, on Facebook, or, or here on campus. That's ministry. There's something you can do. Even, you know, we, we focus too much on, on the empty half of the glass. We focus on what I can't do. God wants you to focus on what with him and by the power of his indwelling Holy Spirit, what you can do. Amen. And I'll tell you something else. With God, the glass is not half full. There's not even a glass. <laughs> it's a river that flows from the throne of heaven, filling your life with power and light life and glory, holiness and love to share with your world. What you are in Christ Jesus, I tell this to a lot of pastoral ministry students, what you are in Christ Jesus as a spirit-filled, entirely sanctified person, you are a conduit of the holiness, the love, the trustworthiness, the faithfulness, the power, and the glory of God in Christ Jesus in you. I don't know what God would have you to do. That's up to, to him and you. I just know he calls us to be not just fishermen in a boat. He calls us to be fishers of men, to have a ministry. 
I challenge you to ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What am I missing, God? Fill the lack in my mind with your spirit's knowledge and wisdom. Let me know by what you lay on my heart who I am to be and what I am to do. And let me, Lord, work for you to change this world as a representative of Jesus Christ here and now. Well, you all know the story, the rest of the story with Saul. Saul fell victim to his own doubt, unbelief, and fear of God's promises and what would happen if, if things didn't work out the way he thought they should work out. And he died away from God. He lived up to what uh, Defoe said in that great novel, adventure novel, Robinson Crusoe. If you haven't read that, you need to read that, by the way. Defoe taught us that we are born to be our own destroyers. And that's what self does without the Holy Spirit. We destroy ourselves. Saul destroyed himself. He disobeyed the Lord. He left off the spirit that had been given to him. And he died away from God. And it's tragic. But here's the deal. That's not the way it's meant to be in the sanctified life. You are meant to be cleansed and filled and changed and empowered and sent by God in the power of his Holy Spirit in here. <laughs> I like that part. I'm not going out alone. He's with me. We're meant to go out and be his representation, to be Jesus Christ in the spirit of Jesus Christ in your world. We are, as sanctified saints, I think I can use that word, right? We are saints. Paul taught us we are in Christ Jesus. We are, as sanctified saints, to be a world-changing people. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he looks at us and says, you go out and get them. Call them to repentance. I give you my Holy Spirit. I give you my power. I give you my grace. I give you my supply. I give you my love to go and do and be. So the only thing left for us then is to come to him, such as we are, and say, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Don't let me be my own destroyer. Don't let me frustrate myself with a stunted Christian experience. Don't let me feel like a failure. Let me have all of you, Christ, that you can give to me with your Holy Spirit. I give all of me to you, and I open myself and say, Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Well, here's the deal. It'll work. There, it worked. It's time to stop playing at being Christian. It's time to stop being halfway with the Lord. It's time to stop sitting in the back row and being a spectator and start moving up and being a participant. It's time to open yourself to Jesus Christ and say, Here, Lord, I give myself all to you. 
Fill me now. Fill me now. It's time for us to get serious with the Lord and pray that song. Come Holy Spirit, I need you.